Welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. This episode of the Aquarius Podcast is sponsored by Awaza, the global leader in water gardening technology. Awaza is a relatively new entrant into the indoor aquatic space, and they're doing all us hobbies a favor by stepping into an already competitive market and raising the bar with excellent products that have innovative features. One of the coolest features to the Awaza line of power filters is seamless built-in heater integration. So if you've been looking for a way to step up your aquarium filtration and hide your heater without going the sump route, then I highly recommend you check out Awaza's Biomaster canister filters and BioPlus internal filters. That's Biomaster canister filters and BioPlus internal filters. Learn more by checking out awaza-livingwater.com. That's O-A-S-E-livingwater.com. I will also have this link in the show notes for quick access. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Tuesday, January 22nd, 2019. My guest today is Scott Peets. In a time when local fish stores are closing, this man just opened one up in New Bedford, Massachusetts. So Scott, welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you very much for coming on. And yeah, like the intro says, man, you just opened up a fish store, a local fish store. Yeah, uh, it's called the Nano Tank, and I opened up uh, Saturday on the 19th. Yeah, I mean, congratulations. So it's only been, what, four days now? If I'm doing my math right? Yep. Okay, yeah, see, I passed math class. All right, so four, <laughs> so you've been open for four days, and you know, before we jump into the origin story, I mean, how, how have the past four days been for you? Good. Um, the first day was uh, absolutely amazing. Like, blew my mind how much support I got. Um, the, the, the following days are a little bit slower, but I definitely had some people come in, come check it out. Um, but I just think it'll be, you know, hopefully it just stays steady and uh, picks up. And now to to kind of set the stage, it's like winter frozen tundra, you know, negative 40 degrees where you are, right? Yeah. Well, crazy enough, we had some snow uh, the, the pretty much the day of my opening, pretty much closer to the end of the night. But uh, and then it rained the next day and then it was like negative you know, negative nine and it froze, you know, freezing everywhere. Okay. And so, you know, you having an awesome opening day and then, you know, things tapering off just a little bit, but I mean, all things considered with the fact that it's kind of a a snow apocalypse in your neck of the woods, not too bad, right? No, no. And, you know, and I even say that on some of my social media is like drive safe because I know, you know, braving the, braving the weather just to come out to my fish door, you know, is, you know, it's risky, but it's awesome, I guess. But we're all New Englanders, so if you don't know how to drive in this kind of weather. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will stick to public transportation if I ever come out there in the wintertime because I can drive in a little bit of snow, but nothing like what you guys are used to. Uh, and so, I, you know, a lot of times I like to pop on Google Maps and check out to see where my guests are from. I had... Um, a guest in Mexico and I was checking out his location and I've done that with uh, Canadian guests. And so now I'm checking you out and you're in New Bedford and you're like almost in the ocean. You're almost in the Atlantic ocean in a thing called Buzzards Bay. Yeah. Oh, well, so if, if you look at Massachusetts, we say Cape Cod is the arm of Massachusetts. New Bedford is kind of, if you follow it, is kind of like in the armpit of the, of the arm. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I- Tons of history in my city, uh, big fishing, t- fishing and whaling, uh, so a lot of history in the in the city. 
Yeah, we we talked about it a little bit before we kicked off the show, but you know, you do have the quintessential New Englander Boston accent, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, and you know, thank you for asking. But you know, one of the questions you asked me was, do do I want you to try to tone back the accent? No, man, I want you to like let it fly. If you've got if you've got any like New England sayings that just happen to come out, I think that's awesome. I'll probably ask you a question about it because. I, I won't know it, and I'll be curious. But no, man, I think that I, I think that's fantastic, and I hope I hope everybody listening to this, you know, gains an appreciation for you, follows your social media accounts, um, and you know, weather permitting or if they're being safe, just to come out and check you out in New Bedford, because everything Absolutely. everything on the East Coast, you guys are like an hour away from everything, right? Like I'm in I'm being from California, like you have to drive a day to get out of the state, where you guys you can go through like twelve different states in a half hour. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's yeah, it's pretty cool because you can uh, Rhode Island's not too far away. Then you can get to Connecticut easy. You know, a little bit out of the way, uh, like a couple hours up from New Bedford, and you're in New Hampshire, Vermont. So we got it all. Awesome, man. All right, Scott. So uh, the Nano Tank is the name of your store. So let's go ahead and let's jump in the Wayback Machine. What is your origin story? Well, my hobby has been on and off throughout my whole life. So uh, as far as I can remember, like maybe eight, ten years old, I had an, a cousin that was uh, about two years older than I, and we had a tank at his house, and we had black mollies and stuff like that, and we bred them, and it was, you know, it was one of those things. It was just like with guppies. You see, you see the live birth, and you're kind of hooked. You're like, this is awesome. So uh, um, we actually bred betters when we were that young as well. So we end up, they end up dying, unfortunately, because we at that time you the fry food was liquid, some liquid stuff that we got, and uh, when we were feeding them, over squeezed it. So we lost all those babies. But um, so on and off, I've been through salt water and fresh water, uh, back and forth. Um. And I kind of hinted at a little bit before the show too is, uh, so when I was probably like 14, 15, there was uh, a store, Pat Nod's Aquarium Pet Supply in New Bedford. And uh, that was open for 70 years. They just closed in 2016, unfortunately. Um, but they, we used to walk there. My friend and I used to walk there every single day and go check out the fish. That's how much we were into it. And so much so that his parents thought that was code word for us to go smoke marijuana. <laughs> did they ever? Did they ever try to intervene and like grab a sample of your hair to test it out or anything? Or like, did they ever follow <laughs> you to make sure you're actually going to the fish store? I don't know if they ever followed us. They never told us, but we were actually going to the fish store. We, we never, we never touched that stuff. Actually, so it was, it was always funny. But they'd always accuse. They'd be like. Is Scott getting you into smoking marijuana? And they'd be tell, telling their son, and it was, and then we'd be, you know, adamant like we we weren't doing anything wrong. We were literally going to look at all the tanks and and drool all, drool all over the fish that we'd want to have. Because I guess if I think about it, if you're like a, a preteen or a teenage pothead, and you're using the excuse of you're gonna go to the fish store as your cover, that's that's a pretty lame cover, right? Yeah, <laughs> good times. But I guess because I guess because we did it every day, and uh, I don't know for them it set off some alarms. I guess, but oh, that's funny. So then, oh. so then at, at that young age, what did your personal collection look like? Uh, at that age, I I think at that time I had 
roughly eight, I think eight tanks I had in my, in my bedroom. I had a very small bedroom, but I had a, so I had an entertainment center and where the TV goes, I had a tank on top of the entertainment center. I had a couple of tanks. I had, you know, self stand with two tanks on it, but I had, you know, I kept guppies, a lot of guppies. I was, you know, I'm a guppy fan even now, but I had, you know, goldfish, Oscars, all kinds of different things. Some stuff that I probably shouldn't have in the size tanks I had, but um, those are things you kind of like, you learn as you get older and more experienced. Yeah, definitely. And then, so at, at that young age, did you get connected with any fish clubs or was it just kind of, you know, you and your buddy um, on your own, just really experiencing maybe some fish community action just through the fish store? Because back then, certainly, um, I, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say that you probably weren't on forums and obviously YouTube wasn't around. So your outlet to connect with other fish keepers and build your knowledge. Then it was... I- I didn't even know that there was such thing as, at that time as fish clubs. Um, yeah, it was mostly just meeting people at the store or just reading as many books as we could get our hands on. So you, you dabbled in a little bit of salt water. You've done some fresh water. Um, and then I guess what at what point then and how far in your journey is it like, all right, man, I think I need to start a fish store. <laughs> so, um, so the last tanks I had were a few – well, I've been out of the hobby probably – since 2013 um and when i had those tanks those were my salt that was a salt water time and so i i've just i was a i had my own farm for a while and so i was a city kid that that decided to open a farm and i did that for five years but um so just my time was occupied with that so i couldn't get into having uh keeping fish so i decided i was like just recently I started getting into fish clubs. So I started, I joined the new England fancy guppy association, uh, the Boston aquarium society, the tropical fish society, of Rhode Island, the Worcester aquarium society. So I'm a member of all those clubs now. And I was like, you know what? I do things big. So I wanted to open, I would just wanted to have a big fish room. It wasn't even, my idea wasn't even to have a store at first. It was just, I'm going to have this big, big fish room and I can't have it at where I live now. So I'm going to try to find a, a inexpensive commercial property that'll let me have this. I was looking, you know, for any kind of property that might be suitable to have a fish room. And, uh, then it, then it was, uh, I think I'm just going to turn it into a store. And, and this idea manifested within the last four or five months. So I worked pretty quickly. Wow. So, man, there's a couple there's a couple things there that I want to unpack. One is that you ran a farm, so I don't want to let you off the hook on that one because there's some questions I have on that. But, you know, you actually, without knowing you wanted to run a store, you sought out a commercial space for your fish room. Like, that's how passionate you were about just having a big old fish room. I don't know of anybody else that has shared that story uh, you know, outside of this podcast or just talking to other Aquarists that they've gone out and actually looked for <laughs> a rental property to have a fish room. Yeah. That, that is pretty crazy. How did, how did your search go for with like landlords and whatnot? Were they, do they care? I mean, I guess as long as you're paying and you're not causing trouble, but how, what was that experience like? You know, some of them thought I was crazy and, uh, they weren't really receptive to it. Just, uh, some of it was just logistical things. Um, other places just didn't have access, like good access to water and things like that. And 
honestly, I was looking for some place that was inexpensive, which was a little bit more difficult to found, find. But um, the place I'm in now is is really good. Okay, so was there a certain like square footage requirement that you were trying to hit, or were you just uh, you know, obviously from a commercial space, I mean, they can, you know, run fairly large warehouses to, um, retail locations, which I'd imagine they wouldn't want you to, to open up a private fisherman, a retail spot. I, I would, I would could see that being problematic. So did you, was there trouble finding the specific size you wanted? Um, not really. Uh, there was a lot of, a lot of smaller spaces, which I, which I was looking for. So I was looking for at least 300 square feet. I was giving myself which is kind of, you know, it's not huge, but I knew that, the, you know, the smaller the square foot, uh, hopefully the less expensive it was going to be. So the space I ended up with is actually 1,100 square feet, but it's made up of um, four or five rooms. But, uh, but I made it work. Interesting. And then the building that it's in, I guess maybe one of the differences that I'm trying to wrap my mind around or, or I'm coming to a conclusion on is that, in New Bedford, I guess where you're looking, maybe it's just a different style of architecture on the East Coast and in your city than what I'm used to on the West Coast. Yeah, at least as yeah. far, as, far uh, as what's available for commercial space. Yeah, and so the space I'm actually in is is a a, a mill. So my uh, so New Bedford was uh, had a huge history of textiles. Uh, so there's these huge mills that were built, and they used to manufacture tons and tons of textiles uh now that industry is is barely in the city they use the mills either for they convert them to housing or they stay as like storage uh commercial type space oh interesting okay and so i mean i guess what are who are the other tenants then i mean you don't have to call them out by name but are your other tenants in the mill industry or you are in a situation where it was once a mill and now, you know, you're next to a dog washing place and you're next to a tax preparation place on your other side. Is it, is it kind of like that? No, um, actually I'm, I'm the, well, there is one other retail space there, uh, in, in the mill, in this mill building that I'm in. Uh, it's a furniture place for a uh, baby furniture place. Um, but everybody else is mostly storage and uh, other businesses that are not retail. Uh, so there's like a guy that was making frames, like building frames, I guess. And there's a, people that fix furniture. For, but for the most part, it's mostly storage units. And it was actually the first retail place that's been in, been in there or just got in there in the last 25 years. So. Oh wow, interesting, man. If 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 I didn't want to already go visit your space because it's a fish store, just going and seeing, you know, what they've done with what was once a, a textile mill and seeing what it is now. I feel I'm I'm very very fascinated to see that in the neighborhood that you're in and just get a feel for for what that's like in New Bedford. Um and so like I said, the farm thing, man. You ran a farm for 5 years. Like I feel like I can't let you fully off the hook on that. Um what I mean, can can you kind of give me a real brief like what was that experience like? What did you have on the farm? What kind of animals? What kind of crops did you produce yeah so i was a i was a protein farmer so that means that i i did a lot of lamb chicken uh we did have some cows um turkey so we had a bunch of different animals we had goats so yeah i mean i just got interested in food and where it came from and i'm actually a veteran so when i was in afghanistan i did a lot of 
reading and research about farming, came back. Um, I kind of started my farm, but the, and I also decided to go get a degree in sustainable agriculture. Um, so all my stuff was grass-fed, antibiotic-free, uh, very into sustainability and, and localism. And yeah, I, I did that. And the only reason why I got out of it is because I got offered a job uh, to manage another farm uh, that the gentleman I was working for uh, wasn't the nicest guy. Let's just put it like that. And uh, that kind of stopped my farming career. And it was either uh, try to save up money to reinvest into my farm or roll it into something else. And here we are now. Oh, interesting. And so, I mean, do you ever think in the future at some point that maybe you won't have a farm for the purposes of um, generating income, but do you think you'll ever do it to um, as kind of a subsistence thing where it's your own personal farm and you're just feeding yourself and your friends and family? Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely would do that. Um, so I still live in New Bedford, which is a small city. Uh, my farm was outside, so I was like a tenant farmer. So I never lived on the property. But um, but if I ever do get to own land, um, yeah, absolutely, I would I would love to do that. I do miss farming, but um, but I also love the hobby of uh, keeping aquariums and stuff and. And especially now that there's aquascaping and and all these other cool facets of uh, of keeping fish tanks, so it's it's kind of reinvigorated my passion for it. I'm not gonna lie that there is a part of me that would love to have um, a farm and, and to live that lifestyle. It's something that I've kind of looked into before, but um, I just don't know if I necessarily have the skill set to do that. Um, but I definitely appreciate it, and I think that's awesome that you did it, and that you may actually go back to it at some point in the future. But as a you know, if we're to call it a second place or a runner-up, man, running a fish store and kind of living and breathing in the aquatics hobby is pretty stinking cool. Absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. All right, so you're you're looking for your commercial space. You find it. Um, how I guess how long after you found the location to when you then decided to pivot to go ahead and uh, do the fish store? I think it was kind of all at the same time. Honestly, I was like, I kind of found this spot, and I'm like, I, of course, I'm watching YouTube and all the great people, and I know you work at the co-op now, and. I'll tell you, watching his videos and, and it kind of was like, wow, it's possible to, you know, to make money, uh, in this, in the hobby it's, it's possible. And I, I definitely, you know, I think I have the drive and, uh, the determination. So, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a risk taker. What can I say? So it kind of happened kind of all at the same time. Like I got the space and I'm like, well, I can make this a fish room or, I could try to open a small store and have my own fish, have the fish as well and hopefully sustain, you know, sustain the, the hobby and, and fill a void. Like I said earlier, Pat Nod's Aquarium Pet Supply was our last place in New Bedford other than the big box stores. And when they closed, it put a, you know, it put a hurt in, in the hobby, I think. And so, I mean, and I even heard it probably 95% of the people that came in on my opening day was, you know, since Pat Nod's closed, we haven't had anything. And I'm so happy that you are here and we're going to support you. Oh, that's awesome, man. That is, that is wonderful to hear from your, uh, from your customers and in your community. 
So then let, let's talk about then, uh, we now know you want to open up a fish store, like that's in your brain. And you said it took you about five months, I think, to, to actually get everything together and to open your fish store. So what were some of the, what were some of the decisions that you made um, and what direction did you take your fish store? I think the nano tank, the name, I think kind of alludes to it, but why don't you go ahead and walk us through that thought process? So, um, yeah, so the nano tank, it kind of has, it kind of has more than one meaning. Uh, I know right out there, it kind of niches me into a lot more nano fish, nano style tanks, which is absolutely true, but I'll also keep some bigger stuff and I'll sell some bigger stuff. Um, but it's also because it's a smaller store. So it is the nano tank, you know? Um, yeah, so my first processes were to figure out what I needed legally for permits and stuff like that to actually open a retail space. So I had a little bit of um, experience with some permit stuff and things like that from having my farm, but having like a real retail, like a real, uh, excuse me, real retail space yeah, no worries man we'll get through this together <laughs> <laughs> see my accent's tripping me up now um so yeah i just needed to figure out what permits i needed so it was just a lot of research and and trying to figure out all the steps that it needed to happen and then like i said i think it happened pretty quickly from kind of inception to actually happening so at at the same time i'm i'm uh, designing rack systems and how i'm going to build things and uh you know kind of putting a budget together and so i'm not i'm sorry oh i'm sorry Uh, i'm sorry sorry for interrupting you but i want to jump on that uh so your rack system right like i guess let's start talking about some of the the elements and the design choices that you went with so um your racks like what what'd you end up going with for racks uh so i built my own I used uh, two two by four lumber and I used dado joints. Uh, so uh, I've built things to hold things up before. So thankfully in farming, um, you know, you, you become a jack of all trades type thing. So carpentry and all that stuff, it might not look the prettiest, but um, you know, you, you get some skills here and there. So, I knew dado joint is pretty strong. I, I researched it. Uh, Ted Judy has some YouTube videos about him making his stands and he used dado joints. So I used two by four lumber and I decided not to paint mine. So what I did is I took a flame weeder, uh, basically a torch, and I basically flame aged the wood. And then I used uh, linseed oil to seal it. And so I made two racks that holds uh, about 12 10-gallon tanks and two 20-gallons on each. So I also, on one of the end, uh, uh, one of the end racks, I actually extended, extended uh, out where the tanks sit on, and I have shelves, which I end up putting – some smaller tanks on there. So these two, those these two big racks that I have on this one wall holds about 30, 
four tanks, I believe. Oh, nice. And I'm glad that you talked about busting out the flamethrower uh, on on the, that rack because I watched that video. To see somebody take a flamethrower to some 2x4s for the racking system was really cool. And then the way you finished it off, I mean, your racking system is absolutely beautiful. So I think I would have to imagine you got a lot of compliments on opening day for those alone. I did. I did. A lot of people loved it. And uh, I think they did. I think they came out pretty well. So Mm-hmm. And then as far and so as far as your livestock goes, um, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping, you know, nano esque fish and, and I'm sure you've probably got some some bigger ones in there. I guess what's what was your livestock decision to uh, for opening day? And were you did you leverage the local community? Are you are you buying fish from local breeders? Are you going through a, a wholesaler? Uh, I am going through a wholesaler. I did get some stuff from some local breeders. Um, so I knew I wanted to stick with the smaller fish for the most part, uh, community type fish for the most part. And so I love rasboras and I love tetras and stuff like that. So, and as, like I said, I was, I'm a guppy fan, so I definitely have some guppies in there and we'll, we'll be getting some more, but yeah, I mean, a lot of those kind of like, some of the fit like i said it's more of the smaller smaller fish that uh sparkling garamis we have in there we have anchor cats that you don't see all the time at least i haven't seen them that much in the stores uh pea puffers everybody loves those so yeah just a a different variety we have white clouds because some you know it's cold out here and sometimes people don't want to heat their tanks so Mm-hmm. No, very cool. And then as far as your, um, the rest of your store layout and design, um, you know, your quarantine process, right? Like, I guess, what are you doing for your quarantine process? Uh, so the fish that I have initial fish, I quarantined them in the tanks that are there. Um, because I had them before I even opened, uh, I had them about two to three weeks and so I'm actually in the process of making a quarantine room in one of in one of the other rooms. I'm actually making a quarantine room, and it's going to kind of be half quarantine and and maybe half uh, like personal room type. Uh, so I'll have like some breeding projects in there as well. Oh, very nice. And I think one one actually important thing that we haven't even pointed out is that um, you know maybe people are, are picking this up, but all of your tanks are independent, right? So you're not doing a shared sump system. You're not sharing water amongst the tanks. Um, you are, each tank is its own ecosystem. Yep, absolutely, yeah. So I, I made each one individual. Um, I, I wanted to, so I, I, I don't know if I should. So my budget for this whole store is uh, under $6,000. So I wanted to, I needed to stretch that money as best as I could. And so automatic water change system didn't really happen. Um, But I knew that everything had to be separate and individual because I didn't want to risk, you know, losing multiple tanks if some, you know, if quarantine went wrong or something else just popped up out of nowhere. Like I said, all that stuff is separate. And I got a lot of upgrades that I plan to do in the future. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that is a super important thing to have, you know, building out a fish room or building out, a, especially for a fish store, is to have those independent separate tanks, um, having them on their own water supply uh, is, you know, even though you're not doing the auto water change right now, uh, I would guess that that's probably something that's going to be on your upgrade list. Um, but having each tank separate to keep those, you know, any any of the, the diseases or anything like that um, separate so that it's not spreading across the entire tank, which, you know, is, is the downside of obviously the, the shared water system right uh sure you know it's all it's a little bit easier on the maintenance side of things but you know the fact that you could introduce those to healthy fish from a a tank you know five tanks down is is not always a great thing yeah absolutely yeah and i knew that was going to be a part of my fish room or fish store um from from pretty much from from the planning stages i knew that it had to be separate um i was not going to uh, take the, that chance to have uh, have the system. And like you said, it, it might have made maintenance a little bit easier, but uh, I'm not afraid of some work. And hopefully by the time, you know, the store is actually catching on and bigger, uh, I'll be able to upgrade it and we'll be good to go on auto, you know, automatic stuff. And so what are some other the what are some other elements right now if I were to walk into your store right now like what else uh, what other things would catch my eye or what else do you have going on in there So I built all my racks everything that's in there so anything that holds my products is all built uh, my actually my counter and my counter is probably one of my favorite things that I built in this, you know I love my racks but the the counter is really cool it's all actually wood that I had at the farm so it's all reclaimed wood um, and so I actually put a 20 gallon long in that counter. And so I have, a, a, a I have three, uh, Neolamprologus multifasciitis shell dwellers inside that tank. And they actually just bred out for me. So I have about, I think I counted like 30 fry. So that's kind of cool. So that's kind of like, I like to show people that, or they just notice it. Cause it's one of the first things you walk into the into the door and you can you see this cool looking counter with the fish tank in it and i cheated Um, so i know from looking at your facebook your instagram that uh that you did do that um that debt there that that counter and you do in your your uh, multi-tank you know with your shell dwellers i think it looks absolutely beautiful and a very very eye-catching thing and the fact that it's functional right like that's your that's your register so very cool yeah and i'm actually so like I said, it's multiple rooms. So when you first walk in to my store, it's actually, well, right now it's an empty room. And then you walk into the main room. So that first empty room, well, that's empty right now, is actually going to be some kind of display room. So I'm trying to figure out, and I've actually made a poll for all my customers that come in or people that come visit, is uh, whether I should put a bunch of tanks in there or should I do uh, like a couple tanks with a huge pond and so it's you know it's a decent sized room i think it's like uh 10 feet by 15 feet and so i can make a pretty good sized pond in there and maybe like a couple a couple like 75 gallon tank oh very nice so if you if you go the pond route what do you have in mind for the pond um i kind of want to turn it into so i know you just had somebody else on the on the podcast that was talking about like the aquatic gardens and stuff like that so maybe a very heavily planted um 
you know, scape around it and then have some, probably some koi and uh, stuff like that in there. I, it's kind of in the planning stages still. Like I said, I was, I've been undecided, so I've been trying to pull everybody that comes in if they'd rather see a bunch of cool aquascape tanks in there or a big pond with like two aquascape tanks. Yeah, so, no, I mean, I, I feel like having the pond in there, I guess, so So my vote would be for the pond um, with a couple tanks on the side maybe or just one big giant pond in there, whatever it may be. Uh, but I definitely like the idea of, of having the koi, but also there's a there's a local store here in my area called Denny's, and um, they have a, it's maybe 50 gallons, uh, a little 50-gallon pond kind of built into one of the corners of their, of their store, um, and they've got African cichlids in there. So it's an African cichlid pond, and that thing is really cool too. So um, I would throw oh, my two. Wow. I'd throw my two cents out there. Pond, and then honestly, it'd be a toss-up between having some beautiful koi or having just a super active, vibrant African cichlid pond. Yeah, that would kind of be cool too. Uh, thanks for the ideas for sure <laughs> no problem man. no problem it's not hey it's not just i get a guest on the show right this is a two-way street i got to give you something back as well yeah yeah and then if i do it then i could uh i could say hey randy reed gave me this idea oh if you so if you do african cichlids <laughs> i think you have to call it like the aquarius podcast pond or something like yeah. that like it's <laughs> if like you, a little plaque hey i would not i would not be sad if you did that that would be awesome all right, and so that's, so that's that walk-in room, and then the second room, like you're saying, is your main display showroom, right? Yep. Okay, and then and then there is a third room, which is going to be your quarantine private room. Is there like a fourth, fifth, and sixth room, or, or is that it to the uh, to the building or to your space? No, there, there is a fourth, fifth, and sixth room. Oh, my so, goodness. Um, so the, the, the main sales area is probably roughly 400 to 450 square feet, and then into the part of that room there's a door that goes into a room that's probably another couple hundred square feet and so that room i plan on expanding my tank so a lot of people in my area keep pressuring me to do salt water and i've taken care of salt water so i can do it but i know it's a whole different animal to kind of to kind of manage both so i'm still unsure if i should do that or maybe even a small section of that um, but I also thought about expanding that into bigger fish. So I got the nano stuff out, out in the main room and then you can go into this other room that's, uh, some bigger fish. Um, but so that's one room that, that has expansion possibilities, capabilities. Uh, I have a small storage room, so that's, that's easy. It's just storage. Then I have the room that I, uh, would do quarantine breeding in and then behind that is another big room where I plan to just use it as like a stock room and also maybe like a small office and it has like a kitchenette type thing in there so I can I have a microwave and a small a small refrigerator and I brew beer I brew <laughs> beer as oh, well nice. so I, I professionally brew beer well I'm, a, I'm an assistant brewer at a brewery a brew pub here and um so I have a kegerator in there. So after hours, I can, I can have a, a cold beer. Oh, that is awesome. So, so what I'm hearing is that when, when I'm in town, that back room is where I get to crash, right? Is that, is that <laughs> what you're telling me? 
Absolutely. Awesome. You're welcome. Anytime. Yes. Yes. All right. That is on. <laughs> that is on record, man. I, I've got so many guests. I have to hold them to. Uh, I basically mooch and I put you on the spot, and then you have to commit, and then I've got it on record. So. No, I w- I, it would be a pleasure to have you come out and uh, hang out back there. That's that's awesome. So <laughs> so as far as like um you know any. I don't want to call them collaborations, but reaching out to the local fish clubs, uh, offering, you know, hey, have your have club meetings at the nano tank. Like, is there any? Are you trying to do any um, uh, local partnership with the clubs? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm going to talk to a lot of the presidents. I've already kind of mentioned it to them, so I'm going to give that, you know, probably give a lot of the members uh, a small discount. Um, nothing big, but uh, you know, something. And also, so actually yesterday was a meeting for the Boston Aquarium Society, which is cool. It's right next to the New England, the New England Aquarium. And I know you had Scott Dowd on the podcast, who is amazing, who who actually comes to the meeting sometimes. And so we get to talk to him. Um, so I offered yesterday at the meeting for people to come down and have a meeting in the uh, and come check out the store. And so they were very willing, you know, they were very receptive to that. And so hopefully that will be scheduled soon. Um, also, the New England Fancy Guppy Association. So that club, we have meetings at everybody's fish rooms. And um, so I, again, I, I said, hey, this would be a cool idea. You know, have everybody come down. And in that that back room there, I guess we could have our meeting if we need, and if we didn't want to do it in the main room. And um, yeah, I'm definitely trying to stay very active with all the clubs and trying to get them uh, involved. Not just because I want to try to get sales out of it, but it's you know it's these hardcore people that are that are kind of like the the base of this hobby. So. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I com- I completely agree with you. And there may be anarchy in the streets uh, uh, at, with the clubs for me saying this, but I almost feel like instead of giving them a discount, because you're like the only store that's open back up in that area, they you should almost charge them like an extra 5%. Like they should almost, you know, they should be so excited <laughs> that there's a store open in their area again. It's like, no, no, no. Don't give me five percent off. I'm gonna give you an extra five percent on top of my tab just to make sure that you know you're doing you're staying successful and that you can expand and you know continue to have a strong foothold uh, in this community and, and you know have a local <laughs> fish store for for kids just like you you know when you were growing up so kids can then go to your shop and learn all about fish and appreciate it and just have this you know wonderful experience like you had um, and to keep the hobby going. Yeah, absolutely. If anybody wants to give me extra five percent. <laughs> no um yeah i'm more thinking of you know and i'm more thinking of that discount as kind of like a you know one extra thing that they could put on the membership thing so maybe memberships can go up so i think we are lucky to have so many clubs that are probably within an hour drive of me but um but you know the membership there's people that go to it but we could build that up and i think you know maybe if they you know, if they see, oh, this is one of the benefits and of many, that it might just entice somebody to say, hey, if I'm going to be buying this stuff anyway, and I could save, you know, five, ten percent, um, you know, that'll it'll, you know, pay for the membership of this club will pay for itself with that pretty quickly. Yeah, no, it's it, it is an absolutely great idea. It's something that the uh, Greater Seattle um, Aquarium Society that I'm a member of 
Uh, we have partnerships with uh, with the local fish stores. I'm obviously an aquarium co-op employee now, and so there is a, a GSAS discount at Aquarium Co-op. So there, there's absolutely that synergy of you know supporting your local club, wanting to get more people involved, um, offering discounts for club members, and you know, and in return, you know, when there's new people that come into our store, we're talking about it all the time. Like, are you a member of the local fish club? If not, well, here you go. There's uh, Greater Seattle Aquarium Society. If you happen to be closer to the North End in, in the Seattle area, there's a new club starting up called the uh, North Sound Aquarium Society. That's just meeting in um, like their lo- like a local brew pub or or some other place, and they're meeting on the weekend. So I haven't been able to attend just because of my family schedule. But you know, I'm fully in support of them. Absolutely. Like the more clubs that we can have open back up, and obviously we don't want to go at a breakneck pace and just open clubs for the sake of opening clubs. But if we continue to grow that demand and passion for the hobby, like it's just a natural thing that these, you know, these areas that maybe 20, 30 years ago had a really strong club and then it just kind of, you know, petered out uh, to see that there's enough energy again to meet with a bunch of strangers in a completely unorganized fashion, right? Because this North Sound, you know, they don't have the official board. They don't have all the bylaws and all of that stuff that comes with an established fish club but you just see some yeah. fish nerds showing up at i think i think it's our local scuttlebutt brewery or whatever it is you know probably taking out four or five tables worth of spaces talking about fish in kind of the general population area you know and yeah. other people are there having a meal like what the heck are these guys talking about what are <laughs> what, what are these nerds going on about like why do they sit us next to these fish nerds oh my goodness so yeah. that's that's cool man that's super exciting and i hope that uh i hope you are able to to really you know foster that growth in your community and really partner with those fish clubs yeah and i you know, and I, I uh, also plan to, I've actually, well, a few people have asked me, like, oh, do you think we could start a club around here? Because there's a lot of lower income people that just can't travel to Boston area or to Rhode Island. So I might put something together eventually once uh, once we get going and, and once things, and I, I hate to say because it it's probably never going to happen, is slow down a little bit. But um in the in the means of just planning and all the all the uh, upgrades and stuff that I'm gonna do, but once once everything kind of settles out, you know maybe that's an option. Maybe it won't be some big club, but maybe it's just an educational thing where we do workshops about you know take you know managing different kinds of tanks or plants and and try to educate and kind of bring people together. And so hopefully maybe, maybe the nano tank could be a place that we foster that kind of stuff. So, yeah, absolutely, man. I think that would be a fantastic idea and to go out on a limb and say, you know, Scott could have somebody from project Piaba come and talk at one of those, uh, you know, one of those sessions at your store and talk about, uh, the Rio Negro and what's going on in Brazil or any of these other places and just, you know, really, um, educate people on what's happening in the world in these, in these environments where these fish come from. I mean, I think that is such a fantastic idea. Absolutely. And, 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 and bringing Scott Dowd up again in the project Piaba. So I, I've listened to all your podcasts. I love them just, you know, just to put that out there. But, um, so I heard your challenge. I, I have a small YouTube channel, very small, but because I've been so busy and like I said, I did everything fairly quickly. I haven't really been able to release a lot of videos yet. But once my channel is worthy enough to have someone like Scott Dowd, I will take a challenge and have him on my channel and talking about that uh, the Project Piava. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talking with Scott, I don't even think it's a matter of if your channel's large enough or not. I think I think Scott's willing to spread the word, and, you know, you could even do the challenge without even having Scott on directly, you know? You could just talk about what Project Piaba does or, or any other conservation effort, but, you know, one, thank you very much for, for listening to all those episodes and, and hearing me ramble on and uh, and willing to, uh, to be a victim to come on to the podcast and actually talk about your experiences, so... I think that's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, channel size, like regardless, I'd actually give you a free pass, man. You're opening up a fish store. Like you're exempt, <laughs> you're exempt from having to do the challenge for a few months or a year or so, because you're doing such a good work of coming into an area that lost their local fish store, um, you know, recently. And now you're opening up like you're, you're opening up a fish store in a time when people are like, you must be crazy to do that. But there's tremendous opportunity and there is a way to be successful opening a fish store. And, you know, it sounds like you are very much on that path, um, you know, and that you have the mindset of what you need to do to be successful. And so I just hope that, you know, even even through this little podcast that, you know, people in your area that maybe they didn't know that you opened up a store, but they're within driving distance and they hear this podcast and they go and they, you know, they they become a, a customer of yours, man. I really hope that that happens. Yeah, that would be awesome. And you know, it's the same thing. Like all of us. So I have a friend that's open in a fish store and it's, uh, it's probably like 20 minutes away. And, you know, I posted about his stuff and somebody was like, isn't that guy going to be your competition? And I'm like, I don't think about it as competition. I think about that as my ally. These are people that are in this hobby. And there's a couple of us that are crazy enough to, to give this a shot. We need to work together and not against each other and uh and try to grow the hobby and that's ultimately what should what the goal should be i mean i i obviously want to try to sustain my family but you know not not at the not at the the price of 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 ruining the hobby or or you know trying to put somebody else out of business or anything like that so you know i yeah i just think uh you know that that's kind of like the way I look at stuff, and it's the same way I look at at farming. It's just we got to kind of work together, and and all these good things will come together and make the hobby that much better. And so, you know, that's why I, you know, I'm super excited about where, you know, where where my idea has manifested. Yeah, man. Well, again, dude, I, I fully support you, man. I'm so I'm so happy for you that you've had a successful, you know, opening four days. I hope you continue. Well, one, I hope the weather let, lets up, and it's not as bad. <laughs> it's not as bad for people to go out. Um, you know, like Ned Stark says, winter's coming, and it you know definitely came to your area. That's for certain. Um, well, it's New England. It could be seventy tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. So yeah, I mean, ho- hey man, hopefully it is seventy degrees, and everybody's like, you know, we need to go out and, and check out the nano tank. So, oh, I didn't even say, man, your logo is awesome, dude. I love your logo, by by the way. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm I'm actually waiting for you to post <laughs> that you actually did buy t-shirt. Wait, did you get t-shirts? I haven't got them yet, but that order is definitely coming in soon. That oh, going out soon, I should say. Uh, why don't you go ahead and let people know how they can get a hold of you, how they can find you um, through social media, and I mean, what's your address to your store? Go ahead and leave us with that. So the address of the store, and just I want everybody to know, like I said, it's a mill building, so it's 56 Conduit Street in New Bedford, Mass. And so that, like I said, it's a mill building. So some people are like, is there really a retail store in there? Yes, there is. Um, my social media. So right now I'm on YouTube. Instagram and Facebook and all of those are the nano tank and 
yeah, so those are the places you can find me. Uh, and like I said, YouTube is definitely going to be picking up, and I hopefully be uh, posting some more videos about kind of the progress of me building things and opening the store, and then hopefully more educational stuff yeah, in the I, long run. I, I think this is a super exciting opportunity for people that are always looking for something new to hold their interest in the hobby. Like we've got we've got you opening up a store. You're four days into it as we're talking right now. And now people can go and subscribe to your channel, subscribe to your, your uh, social media feeds, and just live vicariously through you as you share your experiences opening up a store, man. I think that is a super exciting and awesome opportunity for everybody. So, you know, I've already seen some stuff that you've put out there. It's, it, it's, it's so unique because everybody else is unboxing packages and, you know, talking about other nonsense. Like, you're actually opening up a store. Like, you're talking about what you're doing. Not, not everybody's doing that. So, I highly encourage everybody to go over um, and check out all of your all your channels and your links and I'll, I'll make sure that we've got links actually in the show notes um, so that people can easily find that so scott man thank you so much for coming on dude i've really really appreciated our conversation and we'll definitely stay in touch yeah thank you so much it's it's definitely an honor to to be asked and to actually be on the show so um yeah i i, I it's it's almost speechless how you know thankful i am to to be asked to be on the show so i appreciate it hey man no worries at all scott